This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I'm going to talk to you about real estate syndication. I interview a lot of people who are involved with this in some way, shape or form. And so I figured I should have a, an episode where I specifically talk about what it is. So I'll make this as quick as possible. All right. My quick elevator pitch about real estate syndication, essentially, it's just where multiple people pool their money and resources together to buy a larger uh, property than any of them could on their own. Some of the people are active where they're overseeing the day-to-day -day operations and, and whatnot, uh, where, and some of the people are only passive where they don't do any work whatsoever. That's what a real estate syndication is. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to. Now, uh, there's a lot more details that go into it. And, uh, you know, it's, I would say it's different from a joint venture. A joint venture is where just everybody is active and, and you know, doing something uh, for the operations or whatever. Uh, but if anybody whatsoever is passive, if even so much as only one person is passive, then it is actually a real estate syndication and needs to be set up legally as such. And then the SEC uh, oversees it with lots of like rules and regulations that are involved. All right, so there's two sides to a syndication. There is the active side, which is also called uh, the syndication sponsor or the general partners or, or GP or uh, operators, uh, interchangeable terms. And then there is the passive side, which the people are um, you know, not doing any work. They're called the limited partners or LPs for short. So the general partners, um, I'll just say GP, The uh, so the GP, they will find the deal. So they, you know, get relationships with uh, real estate brokers and, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll find the deals. They'll underwrite them just to make sure that the numbers add up. They'll put in offers uh, to the sellers. And uh, if they get it under contract uh, or, um, and, you know, they'll negotiate to, to get it at a fair price. And then once it's under contract, then uh, busy time begins because now that GP side is going to to uh, due diligence. So they're going to take a deeper dive and like, you know, walk through every single unit, make sure the leases match what they're supposed to, you know, based on who is uh, renting out the space. And then they're also uh, raising capital. So they need some money to invest. Generally, uh, you know, every syndication deal is a little bit different, but uh, generally you're going to want to raise about a, a third or so of the worth of a property uh, to be able to buy a property, you know, a, a deal. So it might be more, it might be less, just uh, again, it depends on like if you have, um, you know, a heavier lift, which means like there's more renovations uh, to do, then you're going to need to raise more money to be able to buy that place and then cover the cost of the renovations. Sometimes I see inexperienced uh, GPs that um, think that they're going to use cash flow to be able to pay for the renovations. And, and that's a mistake because like if uh, anything goes wrong or if, uh, you know, uh, you know, tenancy, you know, occupancy rates reduce or, or rents have to go down, then they're not going to have the money for the renovation. So it's far better to just to raise the money upfront from investors for that, those renovation costs. And, th and then you're covered, you know, uh, anyway. So uh, for like a $10 million property, you're going to raise about like $3.5 million or so. Um, more or less, again, depends on the property. If it's like a, a you know, perfectly brand new property and, and nothing's wrong with it, nothing, you know, <laughs> no renovations, then you might only raise like a, just a little bit less just for the um, down payment and then for like six months of operating, you know, for the expenses uh, and then, uh, you know, just for incidentals kind of thing and, and then call it good. 
But uh, anyway, um, so the general partners are also going to uh, oversee like the operations of it. So they're going to like find a property management company uh, and to oversee it and, and uh, make sure there's contractors who are going to be able to renovate the units uh, to what they need to be. And that the business plan is being executed appropriately. So the rents are going up to where they should be. The expenses are being reduced to where they can be, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're doing investor relationships as well. So they're like making sure that the passive investors are, or, or the LP are, uh, you know, kept up to date with what's going on, like the good, bad, and ugly. You know, I think that's a key thing of like seeing like who's a good operator or good GP or not, you know, how good is their communication? Because if they're being open and honest and and giving you regular, consistent communication, that, that's a good thing. Um, but the the ones that are like not really giving you good communication or, or inconsistent, that they maybe they're hiding something or maybe they don't know what they're doing. So um, overall, I would say like just a, a rule of thumb, about 30% of the profits of a deal are going to go to the general partnership. And then about 70% will go to the limited partnership. And that's in a few different forms. Okay, so if you invest like um, a thousand, or I'm sorry, a hundred thousand dollars into a deal, then you're gonna get uh, uh, you know some cash flow off of that. Usually, I'm again like every deal is different, but usually there's gonna be a what's called a preferred rate of return, and that's generally between like six to eight percent. So let's just say seven percent. So if you're investing a hundred thousand dollars, then you're you're gonna get like uh, about a seven thousand dollars in uh, cash flow distributions each year. And so that, you know, it might be broken down by quarters or, or months or, you know, or whatnot. But, um, uh, and then after that, if the property is doing especially well, you might get some money above and beyond. But actually in the first beginning, like the first year or two, if there's a lot of renovations, then there might not be as many uh, distributions or cash flow. And so you might not get as much money in the beginning uh, and that's pretty typical, I would say, especially like a, a, you know, longer you hold on to the property, you know, you know, rents tend to go up over time. And so the profits tend to go up over time at the same time. And so you just make more cash flow as the, the time goes on. But uh, anyway, so uh, if you get that, you get that preferred rate of return. And then, at, you know, if there's more profits after that, then usually there's going to be a, an equity split is what's called. So the general partnership will maybe get like, um, you know, 30 or 40% of that. And then the Limited partners will get like uh, 60 or 7% of that, you know, uh, but that can vary as well, just depending. And sometimes there's what's called a waterfall, which means like if, uh, you know, there's certain thresholds of, of profitability, like, you know, if, if the property is more and more profitable, then the general partners will get more and more uh, bigger cuts of that, those profits. And in my mind, that's a good thing because that means that's incentivizing the general partnership to do better and better with how they're running it. You know, some uh, GPs, they only like they, they focus on like making fees and, and that's where they get their money from the fees versus the profits. And so granted, there's going to be some fees that the general partnership should be making, like they should be getting a, you know, a little chunk of the money when the property you know, closes for the, the purchase, you know, because that's kind of reward them for their all their work that they put into making that happen. And then they should be getting an asset management fee for like overseeing like uh, the day-to-day -day operations, overseeing the property manager and making sure everything goes according to plan. And then they should be getting a, uh, you know, later on when the property sells or refinances, they should get another fee for that for like, hey, job well done, here, here you go. Um, so, uh, but uh, really the, the, the lion's share of their profits should be coming from 
you know, when the property does well and, and uh, you know, it appraises for more and more money and, and the profits are more and more, that's where they're, they're, uh, they should be making money because then they want the property to do better. better. Um, because if they're only making fees, then they don't care how well the property does because they're, they're getting paid first, they're getting their fees and then that's all good. But uh, anyway, so you, uh, like when I'm looking at syndications to invest in, I usually want to find some ones that will, uh, you know, are estimated to double my money in five years or less. And, um, and that's between the cash flow that you get, as well as what I love, the appreciation. So when you make a property worth more by, you know, you know, by increasing the income and decreasing the expenses, that increases the net operating income. And that's uh, how you evaluate a lot of these bigger properties. And um, so when you can do that, then the property is worth more and then it'll sell more down the road. And then you're like, oh, hey, the lion's share of the profits, uh, you know, <laughs> for you as a limited partnership, and um, uh, which is really nice. And then, you know, so between cash flow appreciation, there's one more th way to make money as a limited partner in the uh, real estate syndication. And it's through the tax benefits. And so I, I guess that's more like saving money, but uh, you know, you as a limited partner, you're still going to be usually an equity owner where you, uh, you know, get not only a portion of the profits, but also uh, a portion of the tax write-offs. <laughs> that is nice too. So that de can de decrease your tax liability. And uh, so essentially you can make it on paper, uh, you know, to the IRS, make it look like you're losing your pants uh, and legally make it look like that, uh, you know, uh, you know, follow all the laws, I would say. Um, but uh, really, you're actually making really good money. Now, I, I must preface all of this with, hey, I'm not an attorney. I'm not an, uh, an accountant. So if you want like actual legal, uh, you know, professional advice, seek out a, a lawyer or a CPA. Um, you know, I, what I'm telling you today is just based on my own experience and uh, insight that I've had uh, over the years and, and my opinion as well. But anyway, um, so the that limited partner is the best kind of money in my mind is money you don't work for money that just multiplies itself and, and each dollar that you have working for you in this indication is uh, an employee you know uh, you know working to make more employees to make more and more employees for you more and more dollars um so uh, the the property after a few years or so will maybe refinance or or maybe the uh, general partner you know will decide to sell it now one I guess a couple downsides to syndication is that you don't have voting rights. So you can't just usually, you can't decide like when the property is going to you know, sell or, and you can't like make the decisions of like uh, firing or hiring a different property manager or things like that. Like the general partnership, they decide all that kind of stuff. So you don't have control, but on the flip side, that's kind of a benefit too, because then you're not handling all those problems. Like the, the tenants, the toilets, the, the trash, um, all those problems, uh, the property management company and the, and the uh, general partnership, you know, they're handling that stuff on your behalf. In fact, the people who are either living there or renting there, if it's a commercial property, uh, they don't even know you're one of the owners, you know, so you're not getting calls at 3am about broken toilets. Like it's a beautiful thing. And then I guess another downside of syndication is that it um, your money usually is not liquid, which means it's not like the stock market where you can just pull your money out whenever you want to like, and then, you know, do whatever you want with it. Like your money is there for the duration of the deal in a syndication, like it's stuck. Um, and uh, very rare would you be able to 
pull your money out uh, before the property sells or refinances. That's, normally, it's not a, a, even an option. But um, uh, so, so you, you, if you're putting your money in, uh, expect it to, to be stuck there for years uh, before you can get it back. Uh, but then, of course, you're getting the profits <laughs> that come with it in addition to your original capital, which is nice. So, um, and, and uh, doubling your money in five years, like like granite with the stock market, you pick the right stock, you can double your money in a day, you know, uh, or or you can put it all on uh, black at the roulette table in Vegas and double your money in, in a few seconds. But uh, the risk is much higher for some of these other things. So real estate, there is going to be inherent risk with uh, any type of real estate. Um, you know, you could lose all your money uh, or, or you could make very few profits or you could lose some money. I mean, uh, there are those risks that are involved. So you can't like go in there expecting like, oh, it's going to 100% work out. Like you, it might not work out. So um, I guess the uh, last thing I want to mention and, and go over here is that there is um, a few different syndications or kinds of syndications. And um, it really depends on what kind of investor you are. So uh, there's two types of investors that can invest in syndications. Either you're an accredited investor or non-accredited, but also sophisticated. So a an a, accredited investor is someone who either makes $200,000 or more a year for the past two years, or if they're married, they together with their spouse make $300,000 or more per year, or you have a million dollars or more net worth, not including your primary residence, or if you have some other kind of accreditation through the SEC, like your Series Seven or, or you know things like that, um, that can potentially you know make you accredited, uh, an accredited investor at the same time. But uh, so if none of those things match what you have, then you are a non-accredited investor. So if you're non-accredited, you can still invest in some syndications, uh, but that means you uh, you also have to be sophisticated, and this just means that you are, you know, have some understanding of business or real estate or finances, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, essentially, the SEC doesn't want people to be taken advantage of, you know, and certainly, you know, when I raise money for deals, I, I'm not looking for somebody's last $50,000 that they need to pay for medical expenses or their grandma or, you know, something like that. Like, like, no, I, this should be money. Like, if you do lose it, you're going to be okay. But, uh, you know, you shouldn't have to lose it. So, there's a lot of syndicators out there. You know, a lot of people have gotten into this business and, um, and you know, with the, you know, real estate going up and up, like it, it seems like everybody's a genius, but we're actually heading to some trying times here very soon. So a lot of these people who didn't really know what they're doing are going to be exposed. So you want to invest with people who know what they're doing and have a proven track record. All right. So last thing though, uh, a couple different kinds of syndications I want to mention. There is a uh, 506C offering, and that is for only accredited investors. Now, uh, this uh, with the 506C, uh, the GP can talk about it publicly. They can advertise it on the radio, on Facebook, or whatever. You know, but uh, uh, there's another kind of syndication called 506B. Now, this can only allow for like a, a 35 non-accredited investors. And then, uh, you know, however many accredited investors they want is fine. But that also means because they're taking on some non-accredited investors, uh, the GP cannot talk about it publicly. 
Now, the there is another kind of syndication. Actually, there's other types of syndications, but the other one I'll, I'll mention uh, that's uh, also kind of getting more and more common, but um, is still rare because it's really expensive to put together. Is it called a regulation A or Reg A for short? Now, this is like I said, really expensive to put together. It's kind of like a mini IPO for a real estate business, and uh, you they can actually have a, a ton of uh, non-accredited investors, and uh, you know, allowed to be in, as well as accredited investors, but uh, much more complicated to put together, and like I said, more expensive. So um, I don't know if it necessarily matters, like. If you're accredited, you can invest in any syndication. If you're non-accredited, you can only do uh, 506B or Regulation A. But uh, the main thing that matters really is the who's putting it on. You know, I alluded to this before, but uh, who is, is in charge, whether it's one person or a small group of people, they matter more than the deal itself. Because if they're experienced, they've been through the ringer, they, they've experienced lots of problems and trials and tribulations, and they've come out better on the other side, likely they're going to do, you know, be able to handle problems in the future. And rarely are there uh, real estate transactions that, that don't have some problems at some point. So whereas um, if you're investing with somebody new, it's their first indication and, and they're not like you know, working with somebody else who's experienced, uh, you know, it's just like a, a couple of new people and no one else as part of the general partnership. Now, to me, that's, that's kind of risky. Uh, maybe it works out, maybe it works out fine and, and they do well. Uh, but I personally am cautious about letting my money be their guinea pig with their first syndication deal. So uh, you want somebody who's experienced, who knows what they're doing uh, and, and you know, whatever they've done in the past is probably going to be similar to what they're going to do in the future. All right. So uh, I, I, if you want to know about more about syndication, you feel free to reach out to me. I mean, uh, you can contact me through my website, hawkwingcapital.com. And I also wrote a chapter about syndication in my book called Book About Real Estate, which you can find on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, um, Google Play, iTunes, it's on all that stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll put um, some links to it in the show notes here. But uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to talk. I love talking about syndication. So th this really is just like my short, like, like uh, I'm really limiting myself to like, I can talk about it much more in depth, but uh, uh, keep it short and sweet for you. So um, I look forward to hearing more from you guys and, and uh, we're going to have some more great guests on the show uh, coming up here. So uh, have a great rest of your day. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.